This is our second session now, in which we focus on verse 17, and in this session, particularly just the second half of verse 17, and oh, how much is in a little half verse. Let's read the context and then focus on this last section. It was kind of you to share my trouble. So they finally had sent Epaphroditus with gifts. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I went out from uh, Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. And then he feels the need to say, my celebration of your generosity to me doesn't mean that I'm seeking money from you. That's what we talked about last time. But what does it mean? Here's what it means. Here's why I'm so celebrative of your uh, kindness that you are showing to me and how well you have done in being generous to me in my need in the ministry. I am seeking in all this celebration and all my praise, I am seeking the fruit that increases to your credit. So this fruit here corresponds to you sent me help. That's your fruit. So when I celebrate this, I'm seeking your generosity, your virtue, your freedom from the love of money, your love of people, including me, because that love of people and that generosity and that giving is fruit. And that fruit goes into an account. A logon. I know that means word usually, but in this context and in the previous uh, verses that we looked at last time, or time before last, logon is an account, and they have an account, presumably an account in heaven. And when they do things like this, the fruit is logged into their account. That's the meaning here. But what's behind it? What What's the picture of of salvation or of rewards that's behind this. So let's go back and see this use of the word in Paul's prayer in the first chapter. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. It wants to be loving like they have been to him so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless. That is without any dissimulation or deceit and nothing in you that's not been dealt with by way of forgiveness from God or uh, righteousness in you. Specifically, he says, for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of of righteousness. So that's not justification here. This is real fruit, like sending money to needing people like Paul, filled with the fruit of righteousness. That's the same fruit as right here that goes to their account. And he wants them to be filled up with behaviors like that as they get ready to meet Christ when he comes. That comes through Jesus, through Jesus Christ. There's no, there's going to be no boasting at the day of Christ that we performed this great righteousness and this great generosity. No, it's coming through Jesus Christ so that the glory and the praise belong to God and not to man. 
Now, the question is, what's the function of this practical purity and this practical fruit of righteousness in our lives at the last judgment? What's the function? Are we saved on the basis of our behaviors as a Christian? Now, we can't neglect this all-important passage in chapter 3, right? I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Well, why, why does he want to gain Christ? Because if I can be found in him, in union with him, then I'm going to survive the judgment because I will not be having a righteousness of my own. We desperately need a righteousness not of our own that comes from law-keeping. That's not the fruit, but that which comes through faith in Christ. We need that righteousness, not our own, but a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, a righteousness from God that depends on faith. So the answer is the basis of our acceptance with God at the last day is union with Christ, whose righteousness counts as ours. It's not our own, but it's counted as our own because of faith. It's a righteousness from God in Christ through faith. Let's watch this work out now, this practical righteousness in relationship to our eternal life. Romans 6. Now that you have been set free from sin, and that happens at conversion when God cancels all our sin, uh, justifies us freely by grace through faith, and gives us the Holy Spirit and severs forever the bondage to sin. So you have been set free from sin, and you've become slaves of God. What happens? The fruit you get is Sanctification leads to sanctification, and that leads to eternal life. So this fruit is essential for eternal life through sanctification. It's not the basis of justification and final vindication in the presence of God. We've already seen that's through faith in a righteousness not our own. But this fruit that now is worked out in our lives, is a sanctification, and the end of that sanctification is eternal life. Now, how is the fruit then working in relationship to faith and justification? Here's a few verses later in Romans 7. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law. You've died to the law. You've been severed from law-keeping as a way of relating to God. And it's happened through the body of Christ when he died for us, and we died with him through faith union, so that you may belong to another, this is Christ now, to him who was raised from the dead. You belong to another, not to a, a law, but to another, in order that you may bear fruit for God. Bear fruit for God. So there's a fundamental difference in Paul's mind between law-keeping as a way of relating to God 
and fruit-bearing as a way of relating to God. And the key difference that we should keep in mind is signaled by Jesus in Matthew 7. Every healthy tree bears good fruit. So the fruit is a sign of uh, reality and life in the tree, but the disease tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, and nor can a disease tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruit. So the function of fruit is to testify to the goodness of the tree. Here's the way Peter describes it, 2 Peter 1. If these qualities, the the fruit that he has just described in the preceding verses of, of the outworking of the Christian life. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to, now here's the function of this fruitfulness, to confirm your calling and election. And I think you could add here, confirm your calling, your election, your justification, your new birth, the, the reality of your faith. It's a confirming. Fruit confirms. It doesn't um, provide the ground of our election or the ground of our calling or the ground of our justification or the ground of our vindication at the last day. It is a confirming function. So that's the first way that this fruit here going into their account is functioning. It is, it's desirable because it confirms that they are saved, that they are born again, that they have the Holy Spirit, that they're justified, that they're elect. There is another function that it has. This is 2 Corinthians 5.10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. In other words, at the last day, at the day of Christ, there will be a judgment. And the good things we have done will be rewarded. The bad things we will done have done, we'll, we will suffer loss for them. We don't necessarily lose our salvation unless we are so unreal that the lack of fruit in our lives shows we were never born of God, never elect, never had genuine faith, were never united to Christ, were never justified. So this fruit of generosity that is going into their credit was like Jesus' words in Luke 12. Fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. And I put the word thus in here. Thus provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens. This is your account being filled up in heaven. The log on. The account that Paul said, I want, to, I want there to be stuff going into your account. That's why I'm happy that you have sent me these gifts, probably at some sacrifice to yourself, because when you give to the needy, you are thus providing yourselves with money bags. That is, you are laying up treasures in heaven that will not fail. And we know from Ephesians 6 that Paul thinks this way about motivation, Render service with a good will, he says to servants or slaves, 
render service with a good will as to the Lord, not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. That's rewards. That's not earning your salvation. That's not earning your salvation. That's rewards back from the Lord as fruit. That is a confirmation that the tree is good. So the reason Paul is excited about their generosity, he says, is not because he's getting rich by it, not that I seek the gift, but because they're getting now two things, right? Two things this fruit has. They are getting confirmation that the righteousness they got through faith from Christ in union with him in chapter 3, verse 9, is real. And secondly, their account is filling up with, with lots of fruits of righteousness for which they will be rewarded in the last day.